Extra Daily Planet Extra. <coughs> You're a man. Yeah. I mean, does that look like one? been my greatest love. Be careful, Diana. I do not deserve you. you never met a man before? I mean, what about your father? I had no father. I was brought to life by Zeus. Well, that's neat. I'm Steve Travers' secretary. What is a secretary? I go where he tells me to go, and I do what he tells me to do. Yeah, well, where I'm from, that's called slavery. I really like her. Fantastic. Oh, Ladies, after you. I do. I like her. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 12 of Man of Screen Extra. I am your host, Mike Zumo, and in this episode, we are going to look at the latest release from Warner Brothers Pictures and the fourth installment of the DC Extended Universe franchise, Wonder Woman, starring Gal Gadot. And I will not be alone. I will be discussing it with the entire uh, group of freaks that I have assembled. I will be joined very shortly by Aaron Henley of the Tangents Abound podcast and Scott McGregor of Weekly Heroics, Fear of the Walking Dead cast, No Consoles for Old Men, and Mindless Drivel, among others. Both all of those podcasts are on the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Network and... You'll also hear the voice of Bob Fisher, who most of you know, who has joined me on many of the episodes in which I've covered the adventures of Superman. And I don't want to get too much ahead of the conversation, but I really thought Wonder Woman was a great movie. It was the best of the four DCEU films, and I'm not ashamed to say I think it's my favorite superhero movie since Superman the movie back in 1978. So it's really a great movie. I had a good time viewing it, and... I think you're going to enjoy the conversation that we have on tap for you. But before we get to that, I have some feedback to discuss. I have uh, an email here from Dave McElvenny, and Dave is writing in on Man of Screen Extra, episode 11, in which 
Bob and Tom Benyett and Scott McGregor, we were around talking about Superman's most recent appearance on Supergirl in the season finale of season two. So Dave writes, Greetings, Mike and friends. I enjoyed your discussion of Superman's return to the Supergirl TV show. I share what seems to be the consensus view that the writers should find a way to build up Supergirl other than by putting Superman down. I find myself slightly disagreeing with Bob Fisher's complaint about the clips or straps holding on Superman's cape in this version of his costume. When I was a kid, and even now I guess, I often wondered exactly what was holding Superman's cape. It always looked, certainly for decades, as if it was simply tucked into the neck of his shirt. That might make some sense except for those times he was flying at quote-unquote ludicrous speed when it surely would have come loose or those times when a super-powered villain would grab the cape and swing him around. If it were just tucked in, how could someone swing him by his cape? If the cape was physically attached somehow under the neckline of his shirt, I don't recall that the method was ever mentioned and it was clearly not permanently attached because he was always taking the cape off to wrap people in it when he flew them somewhere at super speed to protect them from the air friction. For this reason, I always liked Monel's costume with the obvious gold buttons holding his cape. I think of Tyler Hecklin's clips as being like Monel's buttons. I must also say, by the way, that I do enjoy the group discussion format of episodes like this. It gives a variety of different perspectives, and that's fun. Although I don't know what challenges all the voices present to you in editing. I'm looking forward to hearing your upcoming extra episode on the new Wonder Woman movie. I'm on the fence right now about seeing it. Live long and prosper. Dave McElvenny. And... As always, thank you, Dave, for sending in your feedback. You can send that feedback, too, at manofscreen at gmail.com. And I guess I'm going to uh, address this letter backwards, as I know there was recently a discussion, I believe it was on my personal Facebook between a few of us, that uh, and a few of us mentioned how good we thought the Wonder Woman film was, and Dave McIlvenny mentioned that maybe he'll see it now based upon the recommendation of both Bob and myself, so I don't know if Dave has seen the film yet. But Dave, if you've seen Wonder Woman, let me know what you thought of it. As always, curious to hear your take. So, uh, on to uh, Superman's cape, where uh, Dave mentioned that he doesn't exactly know what holds in Superman's cape. I seem to remember this story in either, I think it was either the late Silver and early Bronze Age, where I wish I could point to a specific comic and say, I saw this here, but I seem to remember this comic, and maybe uh, someone who's read that era can let me know if I'm right or wrong, but I seem to remember this story where Superman and Lex Luthor were trapped in a something, some kind of hole or something, and they needed to use Superman's cape for something, and Superman instructed Luthor on how to get his cape off, and he mentioned that the cape attaches to hooks on the inside of his shirt. So I always kind of believed that was how Superman held his cape on. He's got two little hooks on the inside of his shirt that holds the cape in place. I guess that says works as well as anything else, so that's kind of what I'm going with. And Dave, I'm glad you enjoy the uh, group uh, discussions. I'm hoping to have plenty more, especially on Man of Screen Extra as we go forward, and they are extremely fun. And the challenges in editing are different as far as the solo shows and the group shows. I'm much more forgiving of imperfections in speech on the group shows than I am when I'm just by myself. When I'm by myself, I'll make a little bit more of an effort to get rid of the ums and stutters and things like that, but... I let more of that go in the group shows because I want to keep that a little more conversational. But there are extra challenges in, in the group shows in which you got to deal with a little couple, few more voice tracks. And it's easy to lose track if you have too many tracks floating around. But other than that, it's the challenge is the fact that group shows tend to be a little longer than the solo editions. And that's uh, pretty much that. And that's all the feedback I've received. Again, you can send in your feedback by uh, writing it to manofscreen at gmail.com. I am going to take a quick break, play a podcast promo, and then I'm going to come back with 
Aaron Henley, Scott McGregor, and Bob Fisher, and we're going to talk about Wonder Woman, starring Gal Gadot and directed by Patty Jenkins. Hang around, folks. As superhero movies are becoming mainstream entertainment at theaters around the world, comic fans also have plenty of heroic action on the small screen to keep them sated while waiting for the next blockbuster. We are in a golden age of superhero television shows, with plenty of offerings from both the Marvel and DC universes, and the trend shows no sign of slowing down. To chronicle these recent shows and even examine some of the classics, we are proud to present Weekly Heroics, a two true freaks guide to heroes on TV. In every podcast, we'll be doing recaps of individual episodes of one Marvel show and one DC show until we catch up to them or some supervillains shut us all down. My name is Scott McGregor, and I'm the fastest podcaster alive. That's what she said. And I'm Chris Tyler, one of your agents of cool. To bring you this podcast, we each have to become someone else. We each have to become something else. Two, All right, welcome back, folks. I've got a whole, I've got a whole crew of uh, freaks here to uh, discuss Wonder Woman. I have Aaron Henley. He is the uh, well, you can't see it, but he is the uh, blank picture on my on my left. <laughs> you all know Bob Fisher. Hello. And you know Scott McGregor as well. He's been on the show a few times. So hi there. Welcome, welcome to the show, everybody. Hello. Thank you. Greg. Thank you. Hello. Thanks for the invite. And my picture of Aaron is he's hanging with a very attractive Tinkerbell, and it's creepy even just saying that, but she is an attractive Tinkerbell cosplayer, so, you know, well done, sir. Good photo op. It was worth it. (laughs) (laughs) Was worth getting a little pixie dust on you for? (laughs) It's always This is family friendly or not? (laughs) It is what it is. Pixie dust. It is what it is. (laughs) It is what it ends up. I just yeah, bit my was. tongue. Was We're not a po- pixie correct, you know, situation here, are we? No, no pixies will be harmed during this podcast. I hope not. We'll this just is a pixie friendly podcast. <laughs> All right, so we- pixies would be a great name for a band. Um, never Good, mind. Actually. <laughs> All right, so I figure we'll start by going around the room a little bit, give our basic thoughts before going into a general discussion. I've got Aaron here on my left. And being that this is his first time on this, but on this particular show, Aaron, what did you think of Wonder Woman? Oh, it restored my faith in the DC Cinematic Universe. That's a bold statement. <laughs> I don't give it lightly. No, um, you can elaborate. Okay. <laughs> Basically, it was. I went into this thing cautiously optimistic. Um, my thoughts on. The previous movies are, I don't want to get into it, 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 but needless to say, I, the bar was set very, very low. And I walked out of that theater jazzed, excited, and I'm like, okay, I'm excited to go see Justice League now. If they keep this feeling going, I think it's, it's going to be good. All right. Bob, what, are your, what were your overall thoughts coming out of this thing? Well, you know, it's funny. I kind of was opposite of Aaron. I went into this with my expectations were really high. And I and it was really only based on the first trailer because I didn't uh, look at anything 
pre, I didn't read any uh, reviews. I didn't uh, watch any of the other trailers that came out, the extended trailers or the extra stuff, or I didn't read any of the behind the scenes stuff. None of that. I wanted to go in with as, you know, as clean a slate as possible for this. But I must admit, I was, the bar was raised really high just because of the couple of stills I saw. I thought, well, this, this is going to be great. And I wasn't disappointed at all. I was, uh, I liked it a lot, a whole lot, whole, whole, whole lot. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure I would still give it the A plus yet, you know, because uh, I, I'm not sure I've ever really seen an A plus superhero movie. You know, the one that just totally blows me away. Mm-hmm. Not counting Christopher Reeve's first movie, the the that one was pretty spectacular. So what you're time. saying, Bob? This is no Superman in the moment. This is yeah. <laughs> this is not Superman in the Thank moment. Thank God. <laughs> uh, but but uh, but it's really 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 good. This is an A minus B plus solid solid movie. But you know we were kind of joking about Linda Carter before we went on here. But like Linda Carter. This movie, I don't think, would have been, even with everything being exactly the same, without Gal Gadot in the play, in the role. If they had, it's kind of if they had picked anybody else, I'm not sure it would have been as good a movie. To me, she, like Christopher Reeve, in hindsight, those movies are good because of Christopher Reeve. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah. I think this movie will hold up for quite a while, but it takes it over the line of being a really, really good top-notch movie because of her performance in it. So, uh, yeah, overall, I I was thrilled coming out. All right, Scott. Uh, well, firstly, I'm gonna I, I got thinking about this gathering before we just before we started, and I I'm I, Marvelism. I apologize. I lean Marvel. Don't hate me. Uh, where's, the, Mar- uh, where, where's the hang-up button? Yeah, a Marvelism <laughs> kind of creeped into my head, and I, I felt like we should do a, a Rocket Raccoon scene. It's like, here we are, a bunch of guys standing around a circle talking about Wonder Woman. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, the, uh, the thought had, hadn't crossed my, had crossed my mind. So, so to talk about, you know, I mean... Middle-aged men talking about Wonder Woman. If we, if we, we should maybe steer clear of the whole, what does this uh, movie mean for feminism uh, part of the discussion, obviously. We can leave that for the feminists. Yes, right. absolutely. And I consider myself one, but I ain't going to try to go on a podcast and, and mansplain anything. <laughs> yeah, that. no way. But I really like this movie. Um, and I think my expectations were somewhere between uh, Aaron's and Bob's, actually, in that I was kind of in mid-ground. I had just read our friend Zaki Hassan's uh, review, um, non-spoilery review, just before going to this. And, and the way he reviewed it, it sounded to me like I would like this about as much as Man of Steel, which I think I gave about a 65% when we did our, our little Tutu Freaks roundtable on it. And uh, and that's eroded slightly over the last few years, like probably hovering around a 58 to 60 right now with me. But I like this. Man of Steel? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, the first okay. one. Um, there really is no scale that I can, no tomato meter in my personal repertoire that I can give to B versus S that's worth talking about. But Man of Steel, I liked a lot of it. Uh, a lot of parts, some haven't hold, held up and some have. But anyway, I liked Wonder Woman a lot, lot more. And so I guess more than I expected to. But I expected to enjoy it. I just expected to not enjoy certain parts of it. And I... And some of these movies, if they if they don't really resonate with me, you know, I'll, I'll I try to enjoy every movie in the moment to a certain extent. 
And then my mind starts, you know, picking it apart, you know, minutes after I, I leave the theater. This one I have not been able to pick apart and find a lot of fault with. And I think it's in its own way as iconic. I know it's been thrown around a lot, but as iconic as uh, as Superman 78. She owns the role. I, I wasn't a big fan of the I, I was indifferent about the casting. I didn't really, you know, I wasn't upset about it because I don't really know enough Wonder Woman anyway to, to be able to make that judgment. But she sold it to me on the part, you know, uh, by playing the part, I almost wish I hadn't seen her in B versus S first. I mean, yeah, she kind of stole the show there, but I kind of would have liked to have seen Clean Slate and this one be her first introduction because I think it's so perfect. So we'll get into more later. But yeah, big thumbs up with a, a magic lasso tied around me. No lies here. So <laughs> I want a magic lasso. Indeed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm going to, you know, find myself agree- agreeing with. Uh... With you guys, when I walked out of this movie, I want them mm-hmm. to go right back. That is saying a lot because I am normally a very stoic moviegoer. I'll come out of nine, 99% of the movies I see and kind of go, eh. <laughs> But this one, you know, I was excited coming out of this one. It was just uh, so uh, so thrilling. There's very little I can I even want to pick apart. There are a couple things that you can pick at, but, you know, Gal Gadot, or Gadot, however the hell you say her name. <clears throat> You know, she stole the show. I kind of knew she was going to steal the show in, uh, after we saw her in BVS, you know. We only saw her for, like, maybe a few minutes, so it's always... You never know what's going to happen when the supporting character gets uh, the spotlight yeah. on her own. Well, we already so, knew she could rock was, the suit, but did, you mm-hmm. know, could she act for two Right, hours? we knew that, yeah. but, but could she carry a film is what the question was, and the answer was she absolutely could, and she, and mm-hmm. she did. All the all the casting was great. Yeah, I love the chemistry with uh, with with Chris Pine and some of the London stuff was absolutely mm-hmm. hilarious, unintentionally hilarious. I might add. They didn't try to drop any Tony Stanks on us. No, luckily, we've been out of place. And no Kirkisms. No, no, no Kirkism. You know, maybe, maybe just because I don't watch the new Star Trek mm-hmm. enough to identify Kirkisms in Chris Pine. But, motorcycles. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, it was wow. about halfway who through it. Who doesn't love it a good It was about motorcycle. halfway through it before my wife leaned over and said, is that Kirk? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good then. That's, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, actually. So, yeah. So, you know, just all, all the casting work. I, I thought Patty Jenkins did, uh, did a great mm-hmm. job. For a girl director. I'm not ready to yeah, hand... No, just kidding. I'm not, re- I'm not ready to hand her the keys to the DCEU right. like some other people are. You know, let, let her let her let her do another Wonder Woman movie. You know what first. I think is going to be sad about the second I, Wonder Woman, and when we get to modern times with her, no more Etta Candy. And mm-hmm. Etta was great. Yeah. In this. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and she was. Uh, you know, I thought of my mother because uh, one of the reasons I read comic books as a little kid, four years old, my mother would read them to me. And uh, in that old trunk in the barn, we had some forties, mid forties Wonder Woman sensation comics. And, uh-huh. And uh, I wish I still had those puppies. Um, but uh, Etta Candy was my mother's. My mother used to be really disappointed if we'd read a Wonder Woman comic and there was no Etta Candy in there. So uh, for them to actually use Etta Candy and in the proper way, it was uh, really nice to see that. My last point is that it is by far the best uh, of the four DCEU efforts. And I'm having a hard time putting this, putting this below anything other than Superman in the movie right now. Maybe its rank will level out in time, but right now I'm just really mm-hmm. high in this movie. I I think 
In my theater, when I saw it, there was a bunch of uh, girls, you know, between 8 to 13, and every single one came out cheering. So <laughs> that sold the movie to me right there. Mm-hmm. My daughter got a little bit bored toward the end, but she can't yeah. handle length. Right. And the boss fight at the end was, you know, not really geared towards little kids. But then again, it it was, you know, they brought back the video game part of it. So, so kids, you know, air, air theater, uh, I saw it Sunday afternoon at uh, like a 4.45, 4.50 time. Yeah, about, I saw yeah, it on Saturday. I thought it would be, you know, pretty low attendance by then. And yeah. we still had a pretty full house. It was we, mostly full. Yeah, we saw it on a Monday afternoon and we had a pretty full house. It was in one yeah. of the smaller theaters where we go for some reason, which I thought mm. was pretty odd, but... Mm-hmm. I just want to talk about the boss battle just for a second and my impression of it. Um, oh, by the way, there will yes. be spoilers. <laughs> um, spoiler, the the hero fights a big villain at the end. You know, it's, you know, people have called it formulaic, but that's that's what these things do. That's yeah, what I mean, happens in these video games. But I'll tell you what, compared to, if you're going to compare directing styles and compare visualization, you know, or how a scene plays out, I liked this boss battle a lot better. I thought it was shot a lot better than the one in B, B versus S. It was a lot more coherent, and you know, it wasn't complete like CGI soup. It had its moments of mm-hmm. where kind of everything is just flames in the background, and it's hard to keep track of what's going on. But I. I I like this one a lot better, and and when when I realized we were getting to it, I was like, you know, oh, this we're here already. It's like I'd almost like to see more movie. And yeah, by, exactly. By the time we got there in yeah, Beaver's you know, I was like, please just get it over with within five mm-hmm. minutes. My bladder right. is about to burst. The <laughs> <laughs> thing is, you know, this uh, this particular battle kind of had to be a little CGI stupid. I mean, we're fighting beings that are quote right, unquote exactly. gods. So it's not all going to happen in the physical right. earth. It reminded me a lot of the, the end battle in, in Guardians 2 because it was, yeah, two just godlike beings, you know, going at it and pounding the crap out of each other. It was, it was and plus, I think we've, we've gotten to a point where the CG doesn't knock you out of it anymore. It used to be that the CG was so bad. Uh, you know, I think Smallville's last episode where, you know, it's a little animated guy in a little painted on suit. You know, and you, it's obviously oh. bad, obviously tacky. But when they spend the money and do it right, this is the kind of thing I think you see where you don't sit there going, oh, that's just CG. You're and, just into the moment. It was a good directing choice, and it was presented well. And another nice thing with that battle was, in addition to what's going on between Ares and Wonder Woman, you have what's going on with Steve and his, I call them his wondrous warriors. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you have him doing his suicide mission and then you have the guys there just doing their you know last stand at the alamo and it was just a great emotional scene really was and the timing the the pacing back and forth like you mentioned aaron going back and forth between wonder woman having her battle with the god and steve trevor doing his very human heroic actions it it was was just done so well so well it was all right, so what, what, what did you guys think of uh, the way Themyscira was presented Beautiful. to us? I, I preferred this uh, actually over Asgard and Thor. Mm-hmm. I'll agree to that. Yeah. Yeah, it was, I mean, it's intentionally less fantastical, but it was still very well done. Right. And, and uh, 
someone else I was talking to was described it as very Lord of the Rings, and the uh, the score over that part of it was felt very Lord of the Rings, like which appropriately should, you know. So and, yeah, I thought it was gorgeous. And what I loved was this was the part of the movie where everything is bright, it's sunny, you can see everything, right. and right. that's intentional. That's a that's part of the story because when she leaves and goes to London, it's grimy, it's dark. We get that, you know that. It's hideous yeah, in her own words. We, we get that, you know, kind of dark tones the DC movies have kind of been doing, but it makes sense because we're going into a dark place, both literally and figuratively. Right. We're going into, uh, in, basically into war. And the and the color scheme, there was a nice contrast between quote-unquote paradise that Themyscira right. is versus the real world that is basically being uh, shut And I was hell. glad they used World War One instead of World War Two. Yeah, they kind of had to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm just really glad they did that. Uh, even though somebody, and I didn't notice this being a car buff myself, but I noticed online somebody said one of the first cars we saw on screen was actually from the 30s. So I didn't pay that much. I thought I, no, I, I felt good. like that. I felt that they 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 lost. They had a little consistency problem in some of the technology. It wasn't you know, but mm-hmm. I gave it a pass. But that. That one stood out to me. I'm like, they did not have cars in 1916 like that yet. But yeah, you know, not like that little scene. Yeah. But you know, comic universe, why not? Maybe yeah. in that world they did. Right. Earth, whatever it is. Because you know, you yeah. you have Ares whispering how to make you know super soldier formula gas. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah. The the World War One setting was one of the things that I was nervous about. Because I and again, I'm glad they didn't go this way. I didn't want Ares to be the cause of World mm-hmm. War One. You know, when you do that with something that actually happened in history, it kind of cheapens yeah. history a little bit. So I'm glad they didn't go that yep. route. He just gave them the tools and let them do what they wanted to do. Right. Even though I thought they faked it out, you know, very well, you know, us kind of believing that that's what Diana's mission was, or her believing it at least. Mm-hmm. And, you know, us not knowing any different at that point. It's like, sure, Ares probably did cause this crap, but. Mm-hmm. You know, or all and for war. Him, and him actually showing up. Because uh, for the longest time, it, they were giving us, and I think this is another nice thing about the script and the way it was shot, is like you're saying, Seth, it was making us think that, well, it's just her beliefs. But yeah. Zeus and Ares, and these, these aren't real. They're not real. Well, yeah, they are. <laughs> yeah. In that world, they are. So, but I just thought it was just a nice, brilliant way to bring him in at the end and, and such a great battle scene. And... uh um, we know that Wonder Woman knows how to handle herself in war, mm-hmm. and she had a mission, yeah. and she went right after it. She did, and she let no- and she let nothing stop well, her. This occurred to me is that I know her like jumped all the way to the end of the plot here, but mm-hmm. yeah, right. it doesn't matter. <laughs> this just occurred to me that maybe I wonder if that was kind of almost a little uh, side joke poke at uh, the first Avengers movie that, you know, Diana thought that all she had to do was unplug the head and the rest of the soldiers were going to fall down like the Chitari. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, so there you go, DC fanboys. There's some ammo for you. Uh, it was a little intentional. <laughs> the thing. battle droids yeah. were broken. The <laughs> army still stands, even if you kill a general. Uh, yeah. I don't know. That's where my brain is tonight. Well, you know, she didn't really know any better. Mm-hmm. No, and, exactly. Uh, that was... I'm, I'm guessing somebody on Themyscira uh, knew and just didn't get around to kind of waking her like, oh, shit, let her believe it. She'll be back. She's well, practically... I more. think there's okay. a lot that... <laughs> I think there's a lot that she wasn't told deliberately. 
Yeah, yeah. Right. I, yeah. Because they didn't like really, really it's is. like they didn't want her to have to go and fulfill her destiny, basically. They were trying to keep her sheltered from what she had to do, essentially. Mm-hmm. And you know, uh, even now jumping back to the beginning, Themyscira, the little kid that was playing the young Diana, the nine, ten-year-old Diana. She was awesome. Right? She was, she was awesome. awesome. Little right. fucking bundle of dynamite. Yeah. Damn, that kid was great. <laughs> You know, so, she yeah. probably came in second for uh, you know X twenty three and Logan uh, tryouts. <laughs> <laughs> but man, she was so good. Kid was full of it. Yeah, she. Was. I love the. What did you guys think of the uh, the animation, the mythology am- animation story? I loved it. I just thought it was so. It oh, reminded yeah, me oh, weirdly yeah. enough of uh, the scene in Harry Potter and Deathly Hallows, where they you know gave us the story of the Deathly Hallows, but it was you know with Greek gods. So bonus. Yeah. <laughs> no, it was great. Yeah, it was. And they didn't do like the traditional. Oh, it's on a urn, and then you know go from there, but. It, yeah, it, it was just gorgeous. <laughs> yeah, it was perfect. It was the imagination of a little girl being told these stories. So, yeah. And who knows? Yeah. Maybe those things were, you know, actually moving because, you know, magic. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Absolutely. You got to get on that plane. Anything is possible. Yeah. Well, I suspect and... that in, like, you know, I don't know how they do it in the books, you know, uh, but I mean, I, I'm sure people kind of feel like the Greek gods in this are similar to Asgard people, you know, over in Marvel, and, mm. and that works for me too. I mean, but they at least they, they don't feel the need to come out and say, because I always thought that was a little stupid with Thor, you know, him having to explain to the one of the top physicists, you know, in our world at least, that, that hey, magic and science are kind of the same thing if you don't understand the science. And she's like, yeah, dumbass, I know I've read Arthur C. Clarke, thanks. <laughs> right. It's been a while uh, since, I've, since I've looked at a quote-unquote map of the DC multiverse, but mm-hmm. I believe Olympus and whatnot is kind of on a similar plane to Apocalypse and New Genesis. Just right. another mm-hmm. place you can go. And this was more the the New 52 origin, wasn't it? And I understand. Well, this was it, it kind of depends on who you ask. Yeah. Because the movie seemed to imply that she is actually Zeus's daughter, like in the New Fifty Two comics, but and you get the feeling that the that Hippolyta was kind of telling her telling her a tale when she that she made her out of clay and Zeus right. brought her to life. But you know what? We're told and not shown. Well, Zeus was right. wacky. So like that's that, all, that's all, he could have done both. He could have she could be his daughter done. and be made out of clay. Right. So I liked the way they did it. Impregnate any they, number of things. And, yeah, and they left it up to us to to, to decide. Yeah. Whether it was your own, I'm going to go with with the uh, the golden age, with the fact that uh, Hippolyta's story is the origin of Wonder Woman, that she was molded of clay and life was breathed into her by Zeus. Doesn't that kind of 50, that make Zeus her father? Yes, but sure. in a way, because I like that better mythologically right. than the New Fifty Two, which, when you really boil it down, Zeus raped her mother. Right. Yeah. So, well, yeah. so you guys haven't read the Rebirth Wonder Woman origin, then? I have. Well, yeah, I, I think I, I, think I have. Because <laughs> that all got thrown out the window. <laughs> yes. But did it? They're trying to say that 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 uh, in the New Fifty Two, everything that happened did exist. Not ev- not everything, but some of it is at least, just being at least not in Superman. Not everything happened. Well, they're merging it, aren't they? You know, did Mixie 
God, we can go there. I don't yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's a whole let's, podcast. Let's stay on Wonder Woman. Let's stay on Wonder Woman. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Reason um, 456 why I don't read either side anymore. I watch right. the movies. But as far as, far as what I was I'm actually saying, enjoying Rebirth, though. Right. Rebirth oh, has been sure. a lot of fun. But as far as what I was saying about uh, her, you know, because Ares is the one who seems to say that Zeus was actually her father and she was born the natural way. But you know what? It could have all. He could also be implying conspiracy that the uh, what was decided was that Hippolyta would mer- merge her out of clay and that he would bring her to life. So right, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna say in my head canon until the uh, movies contradict me that she was born of clay. Now yeah, I'm going I, I forget, but in the movie was she flying? Not really. She was jumping, sort of. she was leaping. She was little, jumping little a really levitation. long way. Yeah, yeah. yeah there there was that scene where she kind of floated <laughs> down. Well, isn't right. that what she used to do back in the Silver Age? She would she like float yeah. on the air currents. She would follow the air current. Yeah, she would fly on the air currents in the Silver Age. So that's, and I always that, thought that was kind of idiotic because she's kind of heavy. So <laughs> she can is she like the atom? She can change her mass. That's, you know, that to be pretty strong winds to pick up that hundred plus pound woman. But but that's how they explained it in the Silver Age. She just rode the air currents and airwaves. Right. I think now she in the comics she can fly. Obviously, yes, that that and, came out. But she wasn't to... flying in this movie. Okay, I don't so, think she was. At least she got some pretty good leaps in. Yeah, because that pretty close. Still that could explain. Yeah. Yeah, Thanks to actually doing a lot of research and reading, <laughs> the flying started out in the post-crisis with George Perez, and until then she had the whole way she could fly was the invisible jet. Therefore, that's why it existed. Because I always wondered why does is there an invisible jet? She can fly. Super friends. <laughs> um, they needed toys so, to sell. True, but so yeah, I was just that one they can just sell you an empty box and, and charge. I only ever saw her leaping, like in the last shot of the movie when she leaps out of the off the Louvre. Uh, balcony. Yeah, yeah. She's not in a flying pose. She's in a leaping pose. Right. I, I, I don't think she's flying at all. There's got to be some standard for how long a leap lasts until it's technically considered flying. So, well, five eighths of a mile. Google that one. Yeah. Okay. There you go. Well, the, the whole <laughs> leap's about. Sure, somebody miles, has figured so. this out. <laughs> that was Golden you, Age if, Superman. If you can go back, if you can go back up under your own power before without hitting the ground, it's flying. If you can't, it's leaping. There you go. That works for me. Works for me. All right. So uh, Let, let's talk about Chris Pine. We haven't really talked about him in, yet. All right. Yeah, we, he was. Well, you, you, want, you want to talk about him first? Sure. Okay. Um, he was just dreamy. <laughs> well, my, my mom suddenly paid attention while during the, that uh, healing bathing scene. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Yeah, everybody was paying attention to that. A little too much attention. But um, they act, what I loved most about him was he's just a regular guy. He's not willing to say, you know, yes, she's a goddess. Yes, all this stuff about Ares and everything. He's just a regular guy. He's trying to do the best he can. And he and Gal Gadot had just great chemistry. He gave a knockout performance. And, you know, like we said, we didn't see him being like Captain Kirk. We just saw him being a soldier. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I agree. And I will I say, I will say about the healing bath scene. You know, he played his—I guess you want to call it—embarrassment very well, and mm-hmm. it was a, the perfect combination of uh, his embarrassment and her being indifferent to the fact that he was wearing a leaf. <laughs> right. You know, she was absolutely indifferent. You know, it's, it would sh- strike me that Diana would have no problem with nudity. 
She's read right. Cleo's Twelve Volumes on on physical pleasure or something. So yeah, so there had to be some and, diagrams and, in there. And men are not necessary, so I'm not sure I like those volumes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I read something that... for the pleasure aspects. No, well, you don't have to do a lot. Apparently, we need to find volume thirteen. So <laughs> it's the unlucky volume, apparently. <laughs> no, but well, I agree. Volume I think... thirteen is where Diana meets a sexy man in uniform. <laughs> can't resist. Front row. It was pretty funny when she said, looking down, what's that? And he thought, and it wasn't, it was the thing over there. Yeah. That was a pretty funny right. little bit. Mm-hmm. And they they did that scene really well. I'd like to know how many takes they had to do of that, because it really did feel natural. And like you say, Wonder Woman was kind of indifferent to the fact that there is this fairly nice-looking young naked man in, in right over there. Well, you know, in Grecian statues and everything, that you know, nudity was just normal for most right. of that art right, yeah. so yeah she uh, she wouldn't have you know cared better than yeah. i do it now mm. and but i thought that's, that's, yeah go ahead oh sorry bob um you know that whole conversation on the boat you know him trying to you know you know it's it's not right to you know it's, do you want me to sleep with you no i'll sleep next, i'll sleep over here <laughs> right, well, that, that was great <laughs> right and i read today that most of that was improvised yeah. i oh between the two also, of them but uh, there was just so many great moments. Then we get the, the dress scene later in the movie with Etta. And but where is she? Well, she's starting on outfit number 217. Right. <laughs> right. And, okay, and then the sword with the revolving door. Oh, yeah, put the sword down. Put the sword down. <laughs> Another nod to the first Christopher Reeve yeah. movie. Of oh, Clark yeah, Gavin I was hoping little, you would, yeah. we would talk about that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The revolving yeah. door gag never gets old. It doesn't, and they did it so well in this. It was, at the time they were doing it, I wasn't thinking, oh, that's from the Christopher Reeve movie. At the time, I was right into this movie and laughed yeah. well, at the scene and the way that she handled it. They, they, they did, did it, they so did it well. a little bit differently. That's what I liked about it. Christopher Reeve right. would just get stuck in the door. Yeah. Right. Diana had no idea what to make of this thing. Oh, wow, you are absolutely right. Absolutely. I was, think, I, I was thinking about the scene with the, the you know, Bullets. The bullets. No, the You're revolving right. door. I didn't even think about the revolving door. Oh yeah, door. there were a few of them. Was, yeah. Well, the, the bullets. The bullet. The bullet was. Uh, that was pretty uh, heavy-handed. Oh yeah. That you was almost that frame for frame. Yeah, yeah, that one was almost frame for frame. Yeah. But again, that might have stepped over the line of homage to to copying. But no, no. I think the only way they would have stepped over the line because I thought that they did a really good job with the alley scene. Okay. Yeah. yeah. They would have stepped over the line. If a helicopter had fallen and she <laughs> flew up and grabbed it yes. and grabbed him yeah. with it. Oh, uh, I thought you were going to say if she pretended yeah. the saint. <laughs> oh, <laughs> who's got you? Yeah, I did not want to see that anymore. But as much as I love that scene, that's my favorite scene in the original Chris Reeve movie. Did you guys um, catch the new 52 Justice League nod? I did. In the, the movie? Cream. Yeah. The ice cream, yes. The ice cream, yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and that was in her animated movie, too. And I love yeah. this one. Well, no, it was in the because... Justice League War animated movie. That's right, yeah. But they overdid it in that movie. You know, she ate the ice cream. She had a whole by the power of Grayskull moment. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, she points the sword right out of the guy's face. It's like she's going to decapitate him. Yeah, no, this one was perfect. It's like she was so proud, yeah. It was so perfect. Yeah, I was glad that you kept the ice cream scene in, but they didn't overdo it. Yeah, they mm-hmm. just—I loved it when she turned back to the guy after eating and says, "You're brilliant. You're brilliant." You should be you so know? proud. I mean, yeah. <laughs> or I'm so proud. Yeah, because yeah. Uh, ice yeah. cream. 
That's what she should take back to Themyscira, Themyscira and, whether if she ever gets back. And she's back eating to... vanilla ice cream, the most boring ice cream out there. Hey. French vanilla is really, really good, dude. How do you know that's French vanilla? Well, because I imagined it would be French vanilla. Well, well, yeah, but They're if, in you, if you imagine somewhere. it to be vanilla, which is, you know, the most it's basic ice cream, you didn't, and she thinks that's wonderful, imagine if she tastes something else. Mm. Imagine if they gave us some cookies and cream or something. Oh, chocolate. I don't know if that ice cream had even been invented in 1916, though. Were cookies and cream a thing yet? No, Uh, not Oreo. (laughs) Either way, it was wonderful, and I perfectly underplayed. She didn't overplay it, which was great. I thought that was her strength throughout it. I mean, particularly the comedic parts, because you can... This is where, kind of, again, sorry, Marvel has done it well, and they've, they've... done it very well in this is that you can have moments of humor that don't feel like they're you know nailed in there and and Mm -hmm. shoved in there just for the 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 sake of it you know the funniest moments come is when you have two actors with good chemistry who are just kind of talking like regular people and right what i like here is what's funny is not what she's doing Right. It's the way it's just, everybody else is reacting to her. Well, that's the best. I mean, that's an old trope. It was a fish out of water movie for right. a lot of it. But even that, they didn't kind of overdo the tropes of that. You know, she was a fish out of water that spoke a hundred languages. So, right. you know, she's right. that much out of water. Oh, um, and, and I love the one general guy. You, you mean the woman knows Sumerian and. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. She's a woman. She doesn't. She shouldn't know this right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, they they played that, you know, very well. Well, they did that without hammering it over the head. I right. mean, you know, there were little bits like that. Uh, the secretary bit, the yeah. Yeah. calling it a site. You know, all of those little things, they didn't play them real heavy-handed, and they just kind of fit really naturally as, as part of it. And um, they kind of tried to hide a little bit from the sexism of the time. Right. Yeah. And there was plenty of it. Right. Oh, yeah. And they... That scene with her and the generals played to the whole World War One mentality of, of the time, where the generals did sit, you know, in the big cities and in the different countries, while hundreds of miles away from the front, sipping tea and just throwing thousands and thousands of men. They still do. Of, yeah. yeah, they yeah. still do. <laughs> right. This is yeah, not like I the mean, Middle Ages where the king led the, uh, led the charge. Some, some of the people, Diana's people grew up with were like, you know, Alexander the Great was at, at the front of a lot of his armies, you know. Right. It's like she's right. It's like, you know, the, the people who start the war should be fighting with the warriors. And the uh, generals <laughs> gathered in their masses. <laughs> well, also, politicians hide themselves of, away. Right. Well, also, the whole mentality of, you know, they're soldiers. They're supposed to die. That's their job. Right. Mm. That's what set her off. Right. Mm-hmm. And rightly so. Something um, else I loved about her in this movie. Not afraid to wear that costume. No. Mm-mm. Looked natural, looked like she was born to wear it. And I found out today or yesterday or sometime this week, she was five months pregnant during the filming of this movie. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I wonder, I, I wonder if that's maybe the reason, was the reason for the long coat. For could some be of the like long coat. Later, but later even, you can almost tell in some of the stills when she's got the leather suit on. But... The fact that that she still looked so good in it, and all of the acrobatics that she did, and the stunts, and she did a lot of these stunts herself. All of that fl- sliding and the fight scene inside with 
uh, on her knees and sliding through the guys and using the um, the sword and the rope. That was her. That was that was her. With obviously some CG for the rope, but but all of those moves and kicks and jumps and stuff. That was her. And then to find out that she was during the course of this in the five months pregnant. You, <laughs> so <laughs> that's an incredible woman. So who's ready for Wonder Girl in ten years? <laughs> <laughs> right. Let's enjoy this for now before we get to Wonder Girl. One note for Patty Jenkins for the next movie. Please lay, lay off the uh, Zack Snyder slow-mo, please. Yeah, that was really my only nitpick. Yeah, that was really? And you guys don't like the slow-mo? I like it, the slow-mo. In moderation. They overdid it a little bit. But yeah. it may have been out of necessity, learning what Bob just told us. It may have Yeah, been, that's true, you know, too. Because right. there's other shots in this that you can clear. Patty Jenkins does not have a problem uh, right. filming action and, and there's some really great shots that aren't slow-mo in this too mm-hmm. you know you watch uh, this movie it's almost hard to imagine she hadn't directed a feature in 14 years yeah but she's done i mean she's done game of thrones and stuff right. so i mean she's no slouch when it comes to big set pieces and stuff and, and that's hopefully what won her the job you know she was slated to do thor too and left because apparently marvel can be dicks too um so yeah well, I mean, Mar- Mar- have... marvel has had its has its share of uh, director problems. Oh yeah, yeah, and, and and I think that that's from the way they see they run things. They run things almost like a TV show. So yeah, it, it makes sense that you know TV type directors like the Russos are thriving in that environment where guys like Kenneth Branagh, what's his name, did Iron Man, Favreau, and did yeah, and Edgar Wright. I mean, I never thought Edgar Wright was. I love Edgar Wright stuff, but I never thought he was a particularly good fit for a Marvel movie. Right. Because he does like to do his own thing, so right. And Star Wars <laughs> is kind of going the same way a little bit. Mm-hmm. Eh, fine, that's what works for you. But I think but, uh, this was this was the movie where Warner Brothers kind of left the director alone a little bit. Yeah. And, there was, and, did you hear about the one scene that, um, that almost didn't make the movie? Yeah, the big yes, uh, no man's the, the land. The no man's land. I thought that was the turning point of the movie, where sure, she became yeah, Wonder Woman. Like that's his. The no man's is, land almost didn't make it. Nope. This. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's as epic as, as Chris Reeve, you know, saving the helicopter. That's a necessary thing in this movie. <laughs> oh, yeah. my God. They needed that. That You're right. That, that's the turning. That's her becoming Wonder Woman. Right. Totally. <laughs> yeah. that's, because when I, she said, when she climbed up that ladder and started going across and all of that stuff coming at her, and then Chris Pine saying, let's go. She's drawing their fire. Right. Yep. But then... That scene was just so dramatic. It's so and iconic. The bullets bouncing off the shield and the, the oh, that was an incredible scene. Yeah, that's a scene where the slow-mo really worked. You yeah, know, it I worked could have cut it down a few. But again, it may have been because she was five months pregnant that they had to. So mm-hmm. I'm going to forgive but, it for this one. And, and well, also, also better, in that, in that expect scene, better was, in the next one. <laughs> you know, they wanted the effect of, uh, they wanted to show the effect of the bullet bouncing off the bracelet. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Where, this, where, this where the slow mo, where the slow mo stood out to me, even kind of at a place was when she was sliding on her knees and swinging the sword. Yeah, from the yeah. trailer in that scene. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that where yeah. I thought they could have gone done that at full speed. Yeah, that yeah, would have been just as cool at like full speed. I still liked it. <laughs> Well, one or two, as I said, I'm not opposed to it uh, being like your your third or fourth kick in a sequence. Right. But don't make them all like that. Yeah. Right. Because you, you and, get the feeling in the bullet scene where that moment slows down for her. Mm-hmm. And she's watching it happen. Yeah. Right. And I think that's the beauty if they use slow-mo right. It's kind of like in Flash because Flash to me is a very hard character to get right. 
because if he can really move that fast in a blink of an eye, then nobody should ever commit any crime anywhere at any time. Well, that's he why you just... got to use it sparingly because you kind of need to use it when you're doing flash scenes. So it's like they need to have most other people in regular time in Justice League, at least. Exactly. <laughs> you know, exactly. So. And that's when slow-mo, and I think they used it well this time for that, to give the impression that she is moving so much faster. Yeah, and she's things supposed around to have the speed of Mercury. Isn't that one of her original exactly. origins? Yeah. Yes. Well, he gives the, in some, in some iterations, he, what, he gives her the slippers or something? Uh, I don't know. Or, or she gets uh, naturally fast. George Perez, uh, Hermes gives her the power of speed. Imbues her with the power. That's why I say if I ever uh, become a religious person, I'm going to be a multi, a Greco-Roman multi-theist. Yeah, yeah, Mercury is probably the Roman. I want Mercury and Hermes in the same world. I want Thor and Zeus in the same world. You know, so I'm going to be a multi-theist. Have them all. I'll pray to all the gods. (laughs) Well, there you go. No. (laughs) Well, you can make the argument that the Greek and Romans are the same gods with different names. Yep. Now, the whole reason she want, she did that scene was she saw people who needed help. Their town right. had taken over, and she, you know, she's like, I want to help these people. And, you know, Chris Pine's like, no, we, we have to go do our mission. And he she's was like, about no, the mission. We ha- I know, but we have to do this. We have to, we have to go. And then she's like, I've had enough. Yeah. And then she climbs, and that scene is awesome. And awesome. then we get the great scene afterwards with her and Chris Pine dancing and then I, I we definitely have to talk about this part. The gassing of the town. Yeah. Yeah. That to me was even more horrific than what we saw in Man of Steel with the uh siege engine. You felt it more. Well right. and it was real you, and it's it visceral because it's actually happened, you know. Mm-hmm. But I, I think the way it was shot, it was actually you personal. You felt it yeah. in this. And you didn't see bodies all over the place. You just saw, you know, that one woman with the bag of groceries on the ground right. and yeah. just covered in the brown smoke. That was it. That's all we saw. We Our imagination filled in the rest of this. Exactly. And her right. walking through that gas and all of the, you could just imagine what she was seeing. And uh, then when uh, Trevor tried to, get to her and he couldn't because the cough and the gas and the, yeah he barely even touched the stuff yeah. that he's had. right he's recoiling yeah yeah so well, uh, this being set in world war one as opposed to world war two obviously you know there would have been too many comparisons to captain america if they had oh but, they're still there they're still gonna be there anyway whatever but i mean this right. was this was still you know it's her origins just as much as it is his um i, I think it was very classy of dc to not even bother you know because they probably it's not like they wouldn't have probably still made the same amount of money but right. i think they actually did better by going world war one because that was in a lot of what you know the holocaust notwithstanding that was actually almost a more brutal war because it was the first oh war yeah oh yeah man to man during world war one nobody could have imagined world war two no. no that was at the time called the war to end wars and that's what spoke towards it okay this is aries yeah mm-hmm yeah, mm-hmm. that that's why they, you know, she thought it was because there was nothing like it ever. You know, her whole experience has been people swinging swords at each other, and now there's just the very Eric can kill you. Yeah, so it's now cool they didn't shy away from that. And the scene on the bridge where the soldiers are coming back and uh, going back to Chris Pine, I thought he just kind of nailed mm-hmm. the 
the warrior who's very sick of war. He's still about the job, but he's just like, this is this is ridiculous. Right. Yeah. This this is why we're going. <laughs> and he tried to keep her on the big picture, too, because like any good hero, she wants to save Everybody. that child. She wants yeah. to save that woman. She wants to save everybody and he's having to say no there's a bigger picture here diana Mm -hmm. there's a bigger picture here we've got to stay focused so she was able to really do both save as many on the ground right now as possible but also the big picture and get to this 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 great fight this build-up to this great fight at the end with the general and um which brings up another point did anybody have any problems with that scene at all with nope. her raising that sword up over her head and just boom, bye bye, general. A- after that gassing of the town, nope. I, I wish that general happened. weren't a, weren't a real person. Yeah, yeah, he actually was. Yeah. I kind of would have rather been a fictional yeah. general instead of an actual historical figure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it was. No, I mean, I, go ahead. Captain America killed people in, in his first movie, and and or in the early comics, obviously, he was fighting freaking Nazis. You have to shoot them right. occasionally. It's <laughs> war, exactly. Yeah. And she was in the middle of Warrior Diana. Mm-hmm. And uh, I thought it was a dramatic scene, well-timed, well-placed, and, you know, just drove it right home. And because of that, she thought she had killed Ares. Yeah. And, you know, and us as viewer, me as a viewer, did, I'm thinking, well. Did, it, did any of us think for a minute that he was Ares? No, I no. didn't. Well, no, I, they no, they spoiled it in, in a lot of the press, like from day one, they, they were naming, you know, David Thewlis as Ares. So, I mean, oh, I had it spoiled uh, way before that. I even watched it, unfortunately, See? because That's why I, I don't wanted, read all that crap. Because when I like saw the, yeah, <laughs> I know, I kind of learned my lesson one of these days. Um, <laughs> no, because you're a marvel. These were like innocuous ones, you know, released by like <laughs> Entertainment Weekly and stuff. You don't think they're going to spoil that much on you, but. Wow. Why well, I don't read that Yeah, stuff. I don't read any of that anymore. Yeah. Until but, uh, after, now I'm I thought going back Danny Houston, I mean, when I saw the first trailer and saw Danny Houston was in it, I'm like, oh, he's got to be Ares. He's just like perfect. But it was it was better to do the twist, I think, even if everyone saw it coming or knew about it beforehand. I thought David yeah, I thought was, it was a great twist. I thought it was yeah. a really great twist at the end and, and just kept building and building. And then it was to the normal viewer. Wow. There really is a God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, he, and he's a skinny English dude with a mustache. Yeah. Well, which I didn't quite see coming, but just so good. So good. Now, if I may, even the movie itself tried to make it in some of the shots for framing to make it seem like um, the general was Aries. Like when he's talking to Diana in the lounge, there's this one shot. I don't know if anybody caught it, but the camera tilts up. So where he's standing, there's like these uh, bull horns right over his head. Yeah, that that. looks almost exactly like Aries helmet. Yeah, when he does these little that. poppers there, I mean, you're like, well, there's something extra going on with this guy, but I guess it was just the drugs. Yep. See, I thought actually that the, I think the marketing department might have been very sly about this because by releasing that David Thewlis was Aries early on, because he kind of sells it to you that, well, shit, maybe he isn't. Maybe they kind of put that <laughs> out there as a red herring. Right. Because you, there's no way you think he is at the beginning if you don't know otherwise. Um, and you definitely think the Danny Houston character probably is. Um, so I almost thought that that might have been intentional to like do a double blind throw off, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it worked yeah. on me anyway. So well done. Well, that's because you read. I'm glad I didn't read anything about that at all. So every <laughs> character that came on 
you know, I didn't know in advance, oh, that's going to be this guy or that guy or whatever. It, I was letting it unfold. So I got caught up in it. So yeah. when they actually showed that there was Aries was a real thing. That was really cool to me. I well, just even, thought, thought even knowing, really cool. I like got caught up in it, and I bought it <laughs> you know, for a while. It's like, no, it's not David Thewlis at all. They they just lied to me in the press. And... That's just good movie making. That's just that's just really good movie making yep. for a I girl guess. director. <laughs> I hope everybody who listens to this knows I'm just saying that to be facetious because it's right. me. You know, this movie needed needed to be directed by a woman, and I'm yeah. glad it was. I'm not. I'm not sure a male director gets this movie like this. You could have made this. You know, you can put a, a million monkeys in a room full of typewriters and eventually come up with Shakespeare. But <laughs> um, right. so a male could have made this movie. But it was important that a woman did, and and they picked a very adequate woman with some good chops in the industry. And obviously not. You know, it is a travesty that no woman director has ever grossed as much with a movie, only because they haven't been given the opportunity to. And I hope that's the lesson learned. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, that and that and um, most of the women directors who've made movies have been making rom coms and stuff like that. Oh. Things that don't really make uh, this kind of money. No, what's her name? Bigelow. Um, uh, Cameron's ex-wife. I don't remember her first name. Catherine Bigelow. Catherine Bigelow. Yeah. Made the Hurt Locker. And, you know, won a shit ton of Oscars. Yeah. So it's yep. like the. I was going to make a shit ton of money. No, no, but so this Oscar, is a whole Oscar movies don't usually make a shit ton of money. Right. right. This is going to be the new category for uh, women directors now. Is, and it shouldn't be. It shouldn't be. Exactly. It should not be. We should, should not be, be surprised that a Wonder Woman movie with a lead female directed by a female should make this kind of money. We should not be surprised at yeah. it. And I wish the press would just stop. Fo- I mean, Michael, remember, I actually asked our co-host Beth Hughes this the other night on Fear the Walking right, Dead cast. You know, what she thought as a female, you know, about the press mm-hmm. that constantly says, you know, is pressing the highest amount ever made by a woman. And she's like, I'm like, does that not cheapen the accomplishment yeah. a little bit? She's yeah. like, yeah. It does. <laughs> yeah. That's all they're going to harp on. But it's gotten to be that way that, you know, that's what staggers me. A movie will make $800, $900 million, but it's a failure. Yeah. Sorry, it's not a failure you may or may not like the movie that's right. put up there on the screen, but you can't call something that costs 250 or 300 million to make with advertising and it brings in eight to 900 million and you call it a failure because it didn't hit a billion. Well, See, I mean, Transformers. failure is a subject, subjective term at that point, and they, they do exactly. mean that it's not the movie they wanted to see, so it's a failure, you know? Right. Yeah, but if there's anyone that actually... Personal preference can't be a success or a failure. It's just different. Right, yeah. (laughs) Personal preference is personal preference. Exactly. Got to have, I guess, some sort of a measuring stick, some way to compare it and measure it, you know, to 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 at least justify, I guess, their their position and their point of view. Now they can actually say, see, see, a woman can do that, see... Yeah. Well, she could have done it, you know, and just by saying now, see, see, it's, you're eliminating Catherine Hepburn, Betty Davis. I mean, all of those women from the 30s and 40s who were the lead in their own movies and were box office hits. Yeah. Oh, now, yeah. This may be new for modern superhero movies, but it's not totally out of the ordinary, uh, especially in historical movies of the time and way back. Because people didn't go to see a movie that Betty Davis was starring in because some other guy was in it. It was a Betty Davis movie. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. 
So see, I think even yeah. more important than all than all of that, what's important for this overall is that WB finally made a successful superhero movie that didn't involve Batman or Superman. Exactly, well, and critically and right. financially, right. you know, right. done well. So I mean, that that's important too, because um, I, I don't think I, I've they had not read any negative reviews of this really so far. Well, there were a few here and there, but. No, there always are. Yeah, but even the negative reviews were nitpicky negative. They were pointing out this little aspect or that little aspect that they can't say this is a bad movie. This is not a bad movie. This is a really good quality movie in almost every area of it. And, Mm -hmm. you know, the fact that it it was uh, directed by a female and starring a female... That's just to me icing on the cake. That's the yeah. cherry on top of the ice which, cream. Which Sunday. Thor movie was Patty Jenkins attached to? The The Dark World, right? Yeah, the second one. And yeah. that probably yeah. still would have been crap anyway, even if she directed it. I liked that one. Nobody likes that one. I, I didn't <laughs> mind it. It was okay. I don't mind it. I thought it was nice. I, it went like full cosmic silly even before Guardians got around to doing it. But you so know, to me though, like... Marvel movies and DC movies. They're just different beasts. They're different right. animals. They, they, it's, it's really hard to compare them. And when somebody will say, you know, whatever they say, uh, and we've heard of their thousand, you know, all the different arguments against them. But it really is comparing apples and oranges in the oh, way no. that they're shot. It's not just hard because they're both them. superhero movies, you know, and even within the Marvel movies. Although that I have to go, that's a Sony and not a Marvel. So I was going to throw Spider-Man in the mix, yeah. but. You can't really, because that's a whole different animal, too. But so. I, I do really think there is kind of a standardized good formula for them, and, and you can still screw that up. But, I mean, if you... Yeah, formula, kind of, formula to me is a dirty word. Right. Yeah, it is, but, I mean, there is still always basic structure. I mean, any plot-driven movie, you know, you, you need to get it from A to B or A to Z or whatever, and you can either hit certain beats along the way that moves the story along, or you can try to do something arty and, and skip around them, I guess. But, I mean, there's definitely a structured flow that you can, you know, movie reviews are subjective, but I, I like to believe they're in the art and the craft of the film. There are objective good and bads, too, and, like... Yeah. That are very noticeable if you're if you're looking at them, you know. It, you it's know, easy. sometimes it does come down to the personal taste because yeah. I liked the way, for example, in Wonder Woman, I liked the way they used humor in this more than I liked the way that they used humor in, say, the Avengers. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, because you'll be in a really serious moment in the Avengers, death all around you, people hurting, and you know, somebody makes a wisecrack. It was. No, it you know, to I will, uh, inappropriate at the time. I, I will agree with you on that, Bob. And uh, you know, there's a place for the humor, and I think if DC could use this kind of attitude right. in Wonder Woman, where there is play, plenty of humor here, but it doesn't. They didn't. You know, Chris Pine didn't make a joke in the middle of. I'm going to argue know, that nobody made a joke in the whole movie. Right. No, I think you're both right. Well, I, get, I think you're right there. You're right. I think they've actually raised the bar a little bit. On they that have raised the aspect. bar. Yes. I'm, I'm, that's the Marvel guy saying that, guys. Right. So you know. But I think you're right. I think they have raised the bar. Right. But I think we're going to see better movies because of this movie. I think you're right. Well, Marvel yeah. is still going to Marvel is still going to hit you with the Tony Stank jokes. Yeah, well, that's okay. You know, yeah, I'm but... actually real tired of them. I'm actually yeah. kind of real tired of Tony Stark. Right. Um, and of I close-ups of his face. Everything. 
on the huge yeah. screen in the helmet, making one line, doing one liners while the rest of the world is falling apart. Yeah, it's like, and getting... that's really an, M- an MCU thing. Yeah, it wasn't Tony Stark before the movies. No, right. no, it was, yeah, it's an RDJ thing. Yeah, exactly, because uh, that's not the Iron Man that I used to read. But I don't dislike Iron Man movies, and I didn't dislike Avengers. I have enjoyed uh, the Marvel movies, and I'm not a Marvel guy. So, you know, actually most of my knowledge of Marvel and Hulk and right. Spider-Man are from cartoons and movies and a handful of comics. You know, I know DC inside and out. So when I go to see a Marvel movie, I think they are closer to the Marvel comics, though. Marvel yeah. Comics, they're always throwing one-liners out there. <laughs> there's a zillion thought bubbles in a Marvel comic book. Everybody's thinking stuff all the time. DC, it's good guy, bad guy, you're going to jail. Bye-bye. Mm-hmm. So, well, I think I think the first Iron Man was as good an origin first movie as like Superman or this Wonder Woman in its own way. And then it had mm-hmm. diminishing returns for me after a while and... Oh, I love the first Iron Man yeah. movie. Yeah. And that scene when he was flying in his uh, in the lab, first time yeah. he had the boots oh, yeah. flying. That's a great scene. Yeah. That's just a really, really good classic scene. I but, miss uh, that robot arm. <laughs> that yeah, robot arm should have got best supporting actor. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. So, but, uh, but I think you're I think we're going to see better movies because of what they put on the screen now for Wonder Woman. Yeah. I and agree. the fact that, that she said, don't expect a Blu-ray with a whole bunch of extended cut scenes. There aren't any. They're right. out there. <laughs> Good. Yeah. So, I'm yeah. frankly, that almost felt intentional with both B versus S and Suicide Squad. It's like, <laughs> all right, yeah, here's the rest of it. We kind of cobbled this together uh, because we ran out of time. Well, I uh, think with those two movies is, here, here is uh, the cut the studio didn't screw up. Yeah, essentially, yeah. You know, it didn't really do anything for Suicide Squad. But there is a better movie, and maybe not a great one, but there's a... If you cut BVS differently and cut out some of the crap that made the story stop and put back in some of the Clark Kent stuff that was in the extended version, I mean, maybe you don't get a great movie out, but you get something a little bit better. A little more fleshed out, and... Right, you you get... you get this, the Superman beats that you're looking for that you didn't yeah. get in the theatrical cut. Which were very, oh, very important. I'll have to check important. that out then. Yeah. And, and for fuck's sake, if they left the... You know, it would have gone a long way if they left the scene of him rescuing people from the Capitol building in that. Yeah. <laughs> wait, wait, he actually saved people at the Capitol? Yes, they. in the extended cut has a... Afterward, it has a scene of him taking people out of the Capitol. That, that was the most. Oh my god! That, that was pretty much the most egregious sin in the entire movie. Well, that and uh, shooting Jimmy Olsen in the head, but there's not much we can do about that. They almost uh, lost me in the movie with that scene when I realized. Yeah. I leaned over to my wife and said, "I think they just shot Jimmy Olsen in the head." Uh, yeah, so you know, you it get, took me 15 minutes to get over that. You know, if you get rid of all the injustice crap from BVS. Yeah. And you put that other stuff that should have been in there back in there. I mean, yeah. there, there's a lot of extra crap in the uh, in the extended cut because just because there is. Yeah. But I still haven't watched it yet. I I bought it the day it was released on the Blu-ray. I have not broken the seal on it yet. I've seen it twice in the theater, and have not watched the extended cut. And I I I hear people say, "Oh, but it's so much better," and you well, get scenes. And but I think, do they still kill Jimmy Olsen? Well, it's even, it's, it's the even more... The beauty of it is you can skip right over that now, Bob. It's, it's, yeah, even, it's even more apparent where they the, identify uh, it as didn't Jimmy. Happen. 
Yeah, it's even more apparent so, uh, in the uh, in the extended cut. But anyway, yeah, in the extended cut, I hear that they actually build up the fact that it is Jimmy. Well, Olsen. he introduces himself as Jimmy Olsen. So yeah. we really know in the theater it was kind of guesswork. Is right. it really? Was that Jimmy? So yeah, anyway, the, that's not one. But when I did when I did my exhaustive Man of Screen Extra number four comparing the two versions, mm-hmm. when I when I look back on it, all of the um, the the stuff that I liked and that I laughed at was in the extended version and not the. Uh, theatrical yeah. cut. Like well, I'll, I'll point to one moment where that's a problem. <laughs> that is a problem. Yeah. I, I I point I point in. There's one scene. It's like after uh, after the fight with Superman and Batman gets into his car, into the plane, and Alfred's telling him where to go. There's this short line where Batman says, "I don't deserve you, Alfred." And Alfred says, <laughs> "No, sir, you don't." Like, it, stuff like that would have gone such a long way in that movie. Yeah. Yeah, it annoyed the hell out of me that that stuff was was cut out because of whatever. You know. Well, then I think I might have to one of these days. Maybe next week I'll uh, I'll break out the uh, break the seal on the extended cut. The salient point here, though, is that Wonder Woman doesn't need one because the the narrative flow of this was just about perfect. Yeah, it was. You yeah, know, they... I've I've heard some some the usual complaints about pacing. Oh, you know, too much talky talky, and like, no, mm-hmm. morons. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what this thing needed. No, it, I, you nailed it spot on, Bob. All the humor was natural, more natural than you know a lot of most of the stuff that Marvel does, and I think right. Yeah, the bar has been raised a bit. All right. I think one thing I want to get you guys' opinion on before we wrap this up, because I didn't think we were going to lose Scott soon. Oh, yeah, maybe. <laughs> but, uh, but, uh, because we, we well, those of us, we've, we've all seen BVS, right? Yeah. Yes. Wonder Woman says that she walked away from 100 years. For 100 years. Do you, was there anything in this movie that made you think you. Yeah, there'll be some reconning. Retconning, whatever you call it. Right. Obviously, uh, with Was there anything this in this movie, movie that makes you think she walked away for 100 years? Yes. No. The ho- uh, Maybe the horrors of World War One. Yeah. The her gateway to man's world was Steve. Right. Yeah. And he represented the best of us mm-hmm. in that movie. His uh, little team of uh, they oh, were we trying we to talk do about the best. them. We got to talk about them next. Yeah. <laughs> and losing Steve, and you know. She thought all this was Aries, but when you know Aries says no, I just I I just gave him the tools. They did yeah. it all. I think she lost all faith in mankind at that point. Mm. And then you know after World War One, you know she's probably under the radar, maybe hanging out with Edda or something. Right. And then comes World War Two, and it's even more destructive. It's even worse, yeah. Yeah, she's and just like I, I can't the, do this right now. You know, I think there's also the moment where Steve says, maybe it's not Aries, maybe this is how we are. Yeah. Yeah, so I can definitely see her walking away, just be, being a researcher, doing something. But you know, just because yeah. after World War II, what do we get? We get the Cold War. Yeah. Right, so well, you don't even after the gas, so, we get the atom bomb. Yeah, yeah. So you don't think that she went back to Themyscira for a hundred years? She stayed and and like the, like Highlander, just uh, didn't age, but went from one career or whatever. But was in man's world for a hundred years, but it's, didn't interact with it as Wonder Woman. It's possible she can't get back. Well, that's a new thing. That's a new thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah they were that, told she was told she couldn't come back. So she was told she might not be able to come okay. back or or get back. Yeah. I'm not sure how that her mother Hippolyta worded that it at the time, but yeah, I got it, it at the time. I was listening well, at the time, I, thinking, well, there's a little play there. There's a little right. leeway. I, th- it, I it think. Could be, 
the moment where Hippolyta says, you know, when she leaves, they don't deserve you. And maybe I think at the end of this, she's thinking, well, maybe they don't deserve me. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, that's certainly been a running theme in a couple of the movies, but... I yeah, think but I think that's a... That's it a better in this well, this movie had to set that up. Yeah. Yeah, and that's a nice little dangling string that they can pull and let us know what has she been doing since uh, 1919 and now. You know, why is she coming back now in the last scene typing the little letter to Bruce Wayne? Well, well she, was, she was back already at that point. Why did she come back for the events of BVS? For Doomsday, right. Was Doomsday a big enough threat? Well, but she was well, still, that, that she actually was still floating around before that. Like maybe, maybe these petty squabbles between men's countries isn't worth my time, but an actual threat to the whole planet. You know, these people are assholes and idiots, you know, mm-hmm. but they don't deserve to be wiped off. Out of universe. Well, it's it's so. possible. It's possible the presence of Superman got her attention. Yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. Now, here's a question, real quick. Before I, I just got to ask you guys, the Justice League trailer. Wonder Woman says, "No one thought the Age of Heroes would come again." Mm. Justice Society. That's yeah, what I was thinking. <laughs> I will. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go on the record. I will give Jeff. Stuff. I will give Jeff Johns a big wet kiss on the lips if we see a World War II JSA film. Absolutely. Oh, you and me both. <laughs> yeah. If we see, if we see, you know, yes, indeed. Uh, you know, the Green Lantern, Alan Scott, yeah, boy, and a real JSA, not that shit that they gave us the on best way, Would that not be the best way to somehow introduce the Green Lantern Corps, even though it wasn't like well, at Alan all Scott the same kind of Green Lantern? Wrong Lantern. Yeah, I know, but right because now what DC in their at least their movie so. universe has said is that Wonder Woman is Earth's first superhero. Yeah. Yes. Makes sense. Yeah. I, and uh, I don't that, know how to that upsets that. some people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, as a Superman guy, I always get my little, you know, cockles up. What do you mean? Superman was first. You know, or, or, or is she referring to kind of the, you know, the days of the uh, Achilles and stuff like that? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. I got to imagine that. if something like the JSA showed up, she would have come out of hiding, for, out of retirement for that. Well, that maybe. could be how we get World War II Wonder Woman. Yeah, I yeah. think they, she's probably been doing some covert, you know, yeah. heroing here over the century. I mean, well, they have a lot to play with for yeah. Wonder Woman too. They can take and us pretty much anywhere. And yeah, I, I believe Patty Jenkins has deserved that. Just definitely deserves yeah. Wonder Woman too. She hasn't been signed for it yet, though. Well, they only they only signed her for one film. If they're planning on going, I'm sure they're going to go ahead with the second one after how well this one is doing. Absolutely, and yeah. and she can she can now say uh, <clears throat> a little more in the cash oh, register. Yeah. Thank you. Well, also more, you know. Hey, you know what? And that one's as much of a success as this. Yeah, I'm ready to give her the keys then. You bet. Well, I don't want to give anybody the keys, but <laughs> she could also just decide to, you know, it's like, you know what? I've got a little cred now. I want to go direct something else. You know. Well, she's already know. talking about it, but what she wants yeah. to do for Wonder Woman too. So. Oh yeah, look at her. I've already seen articles like, why haven't they signed her yet? We're gonna riot. You know, it's like dude, no, it's been she'll a week. do nothing. She'll do two. They'll get she'll her do, for number two. She'll do the next Wonder Woman movie. Yeah, uh, they, right. there would be a riot if if they don't sign her. You know, if, if <laughs> exactly if they don't try to yeah. at least. So. so will we get Cheetah? Can't be that dumb. Uh, yeah, why not? I don't know. Would that be fun? But uh, yeah, we should talk about uh, what Mike was saying. Which, oh yeah, Aaron uh, wants to talk about the mo- about uh, Steve's Wondrous Warriors. His, yes, <laughs> I was thinking his Motley Crew, but Wondrous Warriors works as well. 
I thought the whole movie in that, I mean, that was played kind of very cartoony and comic-y, and, and the general and, and Dr. Poison, too, were, like, almost just cackling, mustache-twirling villains, and I thought it was great. I thought it had, like, a very pulpy feel to it, you know, very early yeah. Golden Age comic feel to it. Yeah, I thought Dr. Poison was great. I loved yeah. it, too. And uh, just, I thought there, they did, I thought, a nice little twist on the, like, you know, loyal band of commandos. that They had the sniper that won't shoot anybody. <laughs> because because he's got PTSD so bad. Right. Right. Um, you know, the, the drunken Scotch, Scotsman, uh, you know, stereotype is there, I suppose, if we want to get, it's my people and I'm not pissed. Um, <laughs> the, uh, I what I like about crazy. them is that they're all scarred by the horrors of war. Yeah, and I thought it was great that they had Frenchy, you know, kind of the the stereotype Frenchy, but he was actually Arabic. You know, he was basically a Muslim. Right. And then he said, you know, I wanted to be an actor, but I couldn't because of the color of my skin. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, and then you had the Native American smuggler, you know, dealing with the fallout of the loss of his, you know, culture's identity from, well, whose people did it? His yeah. people. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They didn't shy away from some some harsh discussions, and it was nice. Well, yeah. And her and line was great when she met them all. Oh, great! So a thief, a smuggler, a murderer, and a, yeah, great, great team you assembled. One thing I want to say about the actor, you know, and I noticed you notice it just after you've gone through 104 episodes of the Adventures of Superman is there were only two black guys <laughs> in the whole series. Yeah, in the Adventures of Superman. Yeah. Yeah, okay. and, they were, and they were both in one episode. I'm sure it was just the way of the world then. Yeah, 1951, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, all the way to 68, 70. That's why I have no tolerance for people. You know, I mean, the whole argument about changing the race of certain characters and stuff. I really don't have any tolerance for people that get that twisted over it, or the ones that are like, "Oh, you're making too many women characters," and like, guess what? Half of our country is freaking more than half of our country. More than half. Yeah. Um, and there's a whole lot of people here, and have been for a long ass time, that don't look exactly like you do. So get over yep. yourself. Get over it. Move <laughs> on. A lot of people here didn't look like you at all when your ancestors got here. Yeah, exactly. No. Yeah. exactly. Just a terrific movie. God. I think the best thing I can say for the movie is, so when's the next showing? Right. <laughs> yeah. I check, mean, your, check your local listings. Totally. I can't admit. wait for the Blu-ray because I'll be able to actually see more sitting in front of my big screen TV yeah. six inches away from it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And being able to pause and stop and go, oh, cool, look at that. They actually yeah. did that. And especially yeah. I know I'm not, getting to a, I'm not getting to a second viewing of this in the theater. I know there's already some uh, nerd rage about, oh, you shouldn't even compare it to the other movies. Well, guess what? If you're reviewing a movie that's in a series of movies, you know, or a shared universe... Which is comparison to the other ones is valid and almost necessary. Which is bookended past the last movie, where of course we're going to compare it to. Yeah, I mean, gotcha. And then the main takeaway for me on this, I'll even just kind of do my final thoughts, is that yeah, when I want when I got out of Man of Steel and Batman versus Superman, even though I enjoyed parts of both of them, I had very little desire to see them again. Either one, it was it was. Mm -hmm. Too much of those movies was a chore to get through. And this was just, I didn't want it to end. And that mm. just, that tells the tale for me right there. As I said, when, when I realized we were already at the, the boss battle, I was kind of like, ah, oh, shit, this is almost over. You know, yeah. and I, I haven't done that. I didn't do that with Alien Covenant. <laughs> I didn't do that with a couple movies lately. 
And it was very nice to have that experience again, especially in a DC movie. Well done, guys. Keep it up. Fucking please. <laughs> All right. Uh, Aaron, final thoughts. Final thoughts. This is, for me, a shining beacon. Um, it, it's, it was wonderfully shot. We had Amazons swinging through the air, shooting Nazis with bows and it. Well, they weren't Nazis. Well, they were Germans. Shooting- just Germans. German soldiers with bows and arrows. That whole we didn't even talk about that whole Amazon battle, which was just amazing by itself. Because then it we get the call, then we get the future call back with the shield and Diana shield boom through the clock tower, and it's just a great movie. This I, I know we may make some comparisons to saying it's Superman seventy eight and good, but not quite that good now for us. But like I said, I was with a bunch of little girls. I think this is that for them. This is their mm-hmm. Superman. Set. This is their yes, Superman. Is. Yes, it is. And I'm, I'm, the movie, not 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 the character. Um, <laughs> but because everybody, there are differences between boys and girls, Aaron. I hate <laughs> to break this to you. <laughs> Sorry. Well, I also saw uh, another thing is like I've got a little girlfriend. That didn't sound right, but (laughs) who has a little brother. She's 11, he's 8, and they both love Wonder Woman. They can't wait to see the movie. They haven't seen it yet, but they can't wait to go see it because they both love Wonder Woman. And I love that. Mm -hmm. So this is definitely the best uh, DC movie I've seen since probably Superman Returns. Oh. <laughs> Bueller? Bueller? Uh, I, I was tripped up by when he said Superman Returns. Yeah, me too. I, I like Superman Returns. <laughs> I liked oh. it too when I saw it the first time, but it's one of those movies, every time I watch it, I like it a little less. Oh, well, the last yeah, time I'm I saw not, it was in the theater, so... Yeah, I'm not even going to go that one, uh, go there. It, I, I'll put it this way, if Superman Returns, some of the most exciting Superman scenes I've ever seen in the worst Superman movie I've ever seen. <laughs> yes. And the worst shirt rip ever. So I loved certain parts of it as far as the Superman stuff, but the story itself is the worst Superman story ever written, let Wait, alone there... ever filmed. Okay, the only thing Wait, I would say about, that, about that shirt rip is... The airplane? Yeah, because I just turned off the movie after the airplane scene. Was there more after that? The oh boat, yeah, the, okay. The boat, the boat. Yeah, I, I get a rise when he lifts the boat out of the water too. Yeah. Uh, my final thoughts on on Wonder Woman is it's just a terrific, terrific movie. If it was in an island by itself, if if you had no concept of superheroes, if you had never seen any other superhero movie ever, it's a great movie. Let alone a great superhero movie. It's just done so well. The casting was spot on. The timing, the pacing was good. The few little nitpicks that that anybody would have, uh, such as all of those women living alone on those islands as Amazons, why are they wearing makeup? All of that little stuff. Why That's are they looking? Yeah, exactly, a nitpick. Really? That's a nit. I saw some people saying, yeah, why are they, why do they, uh, uh, why are they groomed so well and looking so good? Are they doing? Why do that? they have two breasts? You know, whatever. Oh. You know, the, the nitpick is why are they uh, wearing makeup? Uh, I've seen literally in reviews that oh, they look too modern 
women. They didn't, you know, that kind of they stuff. They had makeup in in ancient times. Well, of course they did. And <laughs> and uh, that would mean that, that women only wear makeup to please men. And I don't think that's totally accurate. I'm pretty sure they were in relationships with each other. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, oh, right. And one other person made a that didn't get the concept of all at all that they are adult women Amazons with eternal life as long as they stay on the island. They said, well, where are the kids? How do they make new Amazon? They don't. Mm-hmm. Diana was different. She was different. She's the only child right. on that island. But that uh, I mean, that's the, the movie. Huh? And that was spelled out in the movie. Yes, it was. And that's why I'm saying the movie stands on its own as a dynamite, terrific movie from start to finish. It's a kind of a movie that I love because as a Silver Age guy, I like one and dones. I like going in, give me a beginning, a middle, and a satisfying end. This did that and at the same time set up and dropped enough little eggs here and there for the future. It's well-paced, well-acted. The casting was done. It looked gorgeous. You could almost just freeze frame throughout this movie, freeze frame it and put it up on the wall there. It's an absolutely gorgeous movie. And um, I think it's just one of the, the, the best movies I've seen in a long time. The most satisfying movie anyway, where so many times I've come out of superhero movies kind of left flat, kind of thinking, well, that was a good scene or that was a good bit or this was good. But the end didn't make me want to turn around and go right back in and see it again. This one did. And I, like I say, I can't wait for the Blu-ray to come out so that uh, I will have this. This is um, one of those kinds of movies. And I can't wait to see Gal Gadot in future Wonder Woman or Justice League or anything she wants to be in. <laughs> That's my take. So uh, I think I've even talked myself into giving this an A or A- minus instead of the, the B+. Uh, I just think it's a terrific movie. And pretty much all ages. I know they give it a PG-13 or whatever. But uh, in our theater, there were some younger kids there. And from what I could tell... I took Haley. Okay, good. And Haley is young. So, you know, there are some parts where they might have gotten a little bored. But I think overall, there was enough to keep keep them interested as well. So, um, you know, high praise. High praise. I love the movie and um, can't wait to see it again. All right. And I'm not sure what you guys left for me to say, but I'm just going to kind of... <laughs> Yeah, just kind of echo. It was, you know, it's a great movie on its own. By far the best of the four DCEU films so far. And this this movie did what I think a lot of us were hoping Suicide Squad would have done. You know, a movie in the hands of somebody other than Zack Snyder to ele- to elevate the uh, the franchise. And Suicide Squad didn't do that. And we really DC really needed this movie to do that. Mm-hmm. And, and and it did because. Now I think if Justice League isn't doesn't wow everybody, the franchise will survive. Yes, yes. Because putting what happened to Zack Snyder's daughter aside, and that's tragic. Mm-hmm. I didn't think he was coming back anyway after after Justice League. Yeah. It seemed like he was kind of three three and out after that. So, well, plus he's been getting kicked in the gut. Because I really think, uh, and if you look at the video uh, interview with he and Ben Affleck, with Zack Snyder and Ben Affleck, right after BVS was released, and the reviews were terrible. 
it looked like the two of them were kicked in the gut because I think Zack Snyder and Affleck thought they really made a brilliant movie that everybody was going to love because there was so much direct comic book stuff in it. And um, that is not exactly the case. It wasn't received quite like they thought it was. And, Affleck uh, brought it, and I think he thought a good movie was being made around what he did, and yeah. it just didn't edit out that way. <laughs> nope. Yeah, right. Exactly. Nope. Yeah, that's what that's what happened. The, the editing room killed it. Yeah, but do you think if now, since all the hubbub about the extended version of that, if they had released a three and a half hour movie to the theaters, would people have not gone because it was three and a half hours? No, you they would have gone because it's better stuff and take out other stuff. I, I I don't think you could have released a three hour movie in theaters but you could have cut it differently cut out maybe some of the apocalypse stuff yeah. and mm-hmm. put in put the some of the clark kent stuff back in yeah so ultimately it was so confusing you're gonna have to explain it all over again anyway right it's not like it gave you a lot of insight into what's going to happen in in uh justice league other than some of the villains that are going to show up you know so very demons yeah. And I'm still not going to read anything about Justice League as little as possible. Uh, I've seen one trailer, and that's really all I need to see. Uh, I pretty much know where they're going. I know that we're going to see Superman in the last five or ten minutes. <laughs> and uh, I'm, you know, I'm. Eh, if they do it right, then it'll be okay. That movie's that movie's going to rise and fall based on how Superman comes back. Yeah, it really will. I think it. I think <laughs> you're right. I think, you know, and Zack Snyder has said himself that even though he's, how did he put it? He said, whether Superman is in it or not, the movie revolves around him. Okay. Jeff Johns put out an interesting tweet today. Yes. He linked to this article that was the, basically the top five Superman moments in the DCEU so far. Yeah. And then he kind of wrote, this list will change soon. <laughs> okay. Well. So maybe he's teasing us. So I'm sure he gets, he gets teasing us, but... Maybe they, maybe he's got something up his sleeve. Who knows? Because I think he was more involved with this film than he was. With, I think he's more involved with Justice League than he was the previous two Snyder. Yeah, efforts. I think. They, oh, absolutely. Yeah. He was well, brought part, on. Part of the fall. Sorry, sorry, Bob. No, I, um, go ahead. Part of the fallout of BVS was Jeff Jones was put pretty much in the same role as Kevin Feige over at Marvel for someone to de- direct the ship. Yeah, right. Um, and I, th- I think what movie, what you know, a lot of the great unwashed in the audience don't understand. It was too late for Suicide Squad. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> Suicide Squad could never adjust enough to respond to BVS because it was it was five months later. Yeah. I don't even know. I don't even know if it was too late to help the Wonder Woman, but it wasn't too late to help Justice. Well, they just hired the right person for Wonder Woman, so that that right. that was a lot of it. <laughs> yeah. You know, if you hire the right person and let them do their job without all the studio fuckery. Yeah, yeah I think that's... You get... All right, I got a bail, John, honestly. Okay, yeah. All right. So why, before you go, why don't you, tell, why don't you tell them where they can find you? Oh, a bunch of stuff. Uh, Weekly Heroics. Uh, we do superhero TV stuff. We do Fear the Walking Dead cast with you, Mr. Zumo. We talk about Walking Dead stuff. Uh, Mindless Dribble covering American Gods TV show is coming out soon. And Mr. Henley doing the first episode with me. And uh, occasionally no counsels for old men about video games. And anything else the freaks need me to do. Because I'm easy like that. Uh, all right. Aaron, plug away. You can find me on the Two True Freaks Network at Tangents Abound. I pretty much just talk about whatever interests me that week or whatever. And stop on by and I talk comics. The uh, specific and my favorite is some guy with a big red S on his chest. So, if, yeah, I've, I've heard of him. Yeah, 
<laughs> All right, and Bob, where can they find you? Over at Superman Forever Radio Podcast at supermanforever.com. I'm not on Two True Freaks unless I do a long play episode every once in a while because, you know, they won't give me a key anymore because I didn't know that the carpet wasn't waterproof. How did I know that? <laughs> they wouldn't tell me. So, But uh, I do know where they keep the key now. So periodically I go in the back door and record a long play and sneak it up there. At least but, they let you through the door. I'm still climbing through the garbage chute. <laughs> <laughs> but you get to I talk do. Superman on the Two True Freaks Network. This is true. <laughs> <laughs> well, I do believe you have been lately too, Mr. Fisher. So <laughs> Once or twice, yes. <laughs> Thanks to Mike. <laughs> That's a slip onto his show. <laughs> well, you were you you kinda came along with my show. Yeah, yeah. That's true. That's true. That's ending soon. That's really sad. You're probably thinking, thank God I'm through with Adventures of Superman. Move on to another version of Superman on the big screen. I am well I'm, I'm sticking with the small screen. I'm looking forward to my break though. Yeah. All right, guys, I'm out. I'm going back to watch Black, right. River, uh, Black, Black River, Black Panther trailer about ten more times, and then I need to do some garage sale glow work. Oh, you can see me on garage sale gloat too, by the oh, way. Yeah, garage sale gloat. <laughs> it's one of my favorite two true freaks shows. I run the gloat mobile. <laughs> All right, I'd like to thank my guests for joining me, and I'm going to come right back to wrap this up. On Saturday, June 17th, podcasters from the DCTV Podcast Network are gathering together for our third annual live charity fundraising event. This year, we'll be raising money for the World Wildlife Fund, the world's leading conservation organization that works in 100 countries to protect endangered species and critical habitats. If you'd like to donate and be entered into a raffle to win prizes, head over to www.worldwildlife.org slash go to slash DCTV podcasts. And make sure to listen on June 17th at Mixler.com slash DCTV podcasts. All right. Welcome back, folks. I just want to uh, wrap these things up before I go. And I hope you enjoyed that discussion about Wonder Woman. I know I did. And I really want to know what you guys thought of Wonder Woman. You can either send me an email at manofscreen at gmail.com or you can leave a note on Facebook or Twitter. You can find the Facebook group by putting Man of Screen Podcast into your search feed and the show sh should come up. You can find the show on Twitter at Man of Screencast. And if you don't mind, why don't you leave me a review or two on iTunes? That'll help other people find the show as well. I don't have any plans yet for the next Man of Screen Extra, so check the Facebook group and Twitter for more as uh, we go forward. After episode 69, the weekly Man of Screen podcast is going on a little bit of a hiatus, you know, give me some time to uh, charge up the batteries and uh, prepare for the next leg of, po of the podcast, which is going to be the Filmation Cartoons, The New Adventures of Superman. Just to remind you of the upcoming schedule is that Man of Screen podcast number, episode number 70, in which I'll talk about Super Pup and the on-air Superboy pilot. That will drop on August 1st, and the Man of Screen podcast will return weekly with episode 71, the beginning of my coverage of the Filmation Cartoons, on Tuesday, September 5th. So, for my guests, this is Mike Zumo. Thanks for listening, everybody. Have a good one. Bye. The Man of Screen Podcast is produced by Mike Zumo 
and all opinions expressed on the show are those of Mike Zemo and his guests and no one else. All music and sound clips used on the show are for review purposes only and no copyright infringement is intended. All music and sound clips are copyright their original copyright owners. The Man of Screen is a member of the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Network and can be found at www.twotruefreaks.com. If you shop at Amazon.com, please consider using the link at twotruefreaks.com and shop there. If you do, the Two True Freaks get a little cut of what you buy, and it doesn't cost you anything extra. So you can shop as usual and help out the Two True Freaks at the same time. Emails of this show can be sent to manofscreen at gmail.com. And you can also leave the show review on iTunes. That will help others find the show. Thank you for listening to the Man of Screen podcast.